The next four Sundays, we will be talking about, we'll be discussing faith among the people surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ. Today we want to talk about Zechariah and Elizabeth. If you'll look with me in Luke 1, verses 5 and following, the Bible says it this way. In the, in the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Let's pray. Our most gracious Father, we come before you today just grateful. Lord God, you came near to us in your only begotten Son, Jesus, the incarnation of the Word becoming flesh Father, is more than we can comprehend, actually. But by faith we receive it. We are astounded by the depth of your grace, your mercy, your goodness. So, Lord, impart to us your wisdom today. Lord, draw close to us again and help us to know you in a more intimate way, perhaps, than before. Father, be with us. Open our hearts and minds to yourself. And may we honor you with our obedience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, there's four things that I want to leave with you this morning in this story. The first is frustration. Some of you have frustration this, this time of year. Sometimes we're frustrated because we are alone. Sometimes we're frustrated because we've lost the, the loved one that was so dear to us. And holiday season right now, this kind of season is just real difficult, which is why we have this session on surviving the holidays. But some of us are frustrated. Perhaps we feel that God is so far apart from us. Maybe, perhaps, we feel that God's not listening to us at all. Maybe it's just that frustration. Look at Zechariah and Elizabeth. You see, the nation of Israel was frustrated because there had been some 400 silent years between the prophetic utterance of Malachi that prophesied that Elijah would come again and the time of the coming of Jesus Christ. 400 silent years. Can you imagine that as a nation? Can you imagine that in your generation? And there was Zechariah and Elizabeth. You see, there was the political climate. They were inundated with Roman soldiers. They were governed by Herod the Great, an evil king that had as many as nine wives, some say ten. It was a king who was brutal. He, was, uh, he took no prisoners, basically, at all. And it was going to be his way or nothing else. And so... There they were, and the nation of Israel felt frustrated for the silent years, felt frustrated for 
uh, the political climate, felt frustrated for the inability to really express themselves as a nation. And then there was Zechariah and Elizabeth. You see, they were childless. They were up in years. They were elderly, and they had no children. Now, in Israel, this was a serious issue because in Israel, childlessness was seen as either a curse from God or grounds for divorce. Now, to have no children means that their family and friends, either in front of them or behind their backs, were talking about the fact that Zechariah and Elizabeth evidently had done something wrong. There was some major sin in their lives that was preventing them from having children. And so they have to live with this thing. And the frustration of it, as you see in the Scriptures, where in verse 6 he said they observed all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. They left no stone unturned. They dotted their I's. They crossed their T's. They performed everything that they felt God wanted them to do, and yet to no avail. They were still childless. Well, there's a saying the Jewish rabbis said seven people were excommunicated from God. Among those seven people was a Jew who has no wife or a Jew who has a wife and no child. So they felt frustrated because here they were excommunicated from God according to rabbinic law. Well, now Zechariah was a priest as he was in the lineage of Aaron, First Chronicles 24, that said that there would be 24 divisions of priests. All were, were to be direct descendants of Aaron. And even Elizabeth was a direct descendant of Aaron. So here they were. Not only were they obedient to the Lord, but they had that uh, spiritual religious bloodline that was flowing through their veins because of their descendancy from Aaron. At that day, there were some 20,000 priests in Israel. But here they were, frustrated. I can just imagine. And so on this particular day, it was always given to uh, the priest to have two weeks of his life, basically, where he would serve as a priest to the temple. One time in his life, a priest was, gonna, was given the opportunity to burn incense either before the morning sacrifice or the afternoon sacrifice afterwards. And so the lot fell to Zechariah, not coincidentally, but because of God setting the table for the appearance of his only begotten son. Yeah, there's no coincidence here. But there was frustration, and you can imagine some of you may be here. Maybe you've, you've served the Lord faithfully in, in times past. Maybe you're serving the Lord faithfully now. You're frustrated because you feel that God is, is estranged from you. He's not answering your prayer. You, you're praying the same prayer perhaps over and over again. Sometimes you're frustrated because you're praying for somebody else and there just doesn't seem to be an answer to prayer. Hmm. Well, the second thing is there was fear. We read on as they were praying outside the worshipers for Zechariah, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. 
standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. Gripped. You can imagine. You don't expect to encounter God physically or his angels, his messengers, when you're serving him. How many of you came this morning to worship expecting to encounter the angel of God to the right or to the left of the altar? I don't think there's any of us that expected that. And yet, there he was in that holy place encountering this angel, and he was afraid. He was afraid of God. I mean, we are unholy people in the presence of a holy God. We are sinful people in the presence of a sinless God. We are imperfect in the presence of a perfect God. We are like Isaiah in Isaiah 6, who, when he was encountered by the angel, said, Woe is me, for I am undone. It's over for me. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And it's that encounter when we finally are in that, that, that presence, that obvious presence of, of God Almighty. Well, there's fear that, that overwhelms us. But then there comes to be fear of God's expectations. I encounter this with people all the time. Some people say, well, you know, I was, I was reading the Bible or I was at a retreat or I was at this Bible study or I was in conversation with somebody and all of a sudden there became an awareness in my life that God was calling me to do something unique and special, something that I wasn't really prepared to answer him positively about. Well, we fear these expectations. What if I say yes to God? What is he going to do? I remember I was going through missionary commissioning services, and, uh, and I had made this statement, you know, I, I, was just a, I didn't want to be a missionary because I was afraid God would send me to Africa. And uh, then I had the, the secretary of Africa came up to me afterwards. He said, you know what, God's in Africa too. I didn't mean it that way, I said. But it's our, our fear of God's expectations. We don't want to go to a remote place. We don't want to talk to somebody with whom we're uncomfortable. We don't want to feel that God is going to call us to do something for which we don't feel prepared, much less ready to answer. That fear of God's expectation. Do you have that in your own life? Time and again, I'll talk to somebody who will tell me, you know, way back when, I really felt God calling me to a specific call, be it missionary, pastor, whatever. And I, what did you do, I asked. Well, I didn't answer, they said, but if he ever calls me again, I'll be ready. Why do we feel that God owes us a second call? Now, if he does, it's his grace and mercy that, that does that. But in reality, sometimes God just moves on and waits and looks for that yielded heart to Him. Sometimes He works with you. Sometimes He doesn't. But the point is, when we encounter God, we not only fear Him, but we fear His expectations of us. You see, and you notice that God called Aaron when He, uh, Aaron, God called Zechariah when He was busy about His task. God often calls us when we're busy about His task. God called Moses and David when they were tending sheep. And God called Peter and Jane and Andrew and John, all of these others when they were busy about their task. So we see these fishermen mending nets, 
fishing, whatever. When Jesus says, come follow me, Levi was at the table of customs, tax collector. Come, follow me. Busy people do busy things, and they conduct busyness. Well, not only was there fear, but there was faithlessness. Faithlessness, 18 through 25. The angel already said, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will be will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Well, that's great. Don't be afraid, the angel said to him, Gabriel. Gabriel said, don't be afraid at all. He's going to be the one that Malachi prophesied 400 years earlier. He's going to be the one to be the forerunner of the Messiah. He will be great in the nation of Israel. His name will be literally in neon lights throughout generations because he is the forerunner of the Messiah. And here, point three, is faithlessness. So does Zechariah fall down and say, Thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do for me? No. No. He says, Give me a sign. Now, folks, when we have skepticism, when we have doubt, when we have worry, when our faith is out the window, first thing we want to do is ask for a sign. A sign seeker is absolutely a person who has lost his or her faith and needs something substantial to prove to them that God is at work. Now, sign seeking. When God's word is not enough, Matthew 16, 4, Jesus said, a wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign. Wow. Now, how can I be sure of this? Zechariah asked the angel. You know the word Gabriel, the name Gabriel literally interpreted means God's strong man. You going to mess with God's strong man here? I don't know. I'm thinking maybe not. Look what Zechariah asked the angel. How can I be sure of this? You got a sign? And I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. Do you not remember, Gabriel could have said, the story about Abraham and Sarah? Can you not remember what I did with Hannah? Can you not remember any of these things? So Gabriel looks back at him, in effect says, you want a sign, sport? I'll give you a sign. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until this happens because you did not believe my words. When we don't believe the Word of God, we seek signs, okay, which will come true at their proper time. Wow. 
Unbelief produces no song, no joy. God's sign, this inability to speak, forced Zechariah to believe in God. Faith is blessed. Unbelief is judged. Now, read on with me. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs. The first sign language in the New Testament. Can you imagine? He's never been speaking sign language, but he's trying because nothing's coming out of his mouth. He kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. Then when his time of service was completed, he returned home. The Bible says he was in the hill country in Judah. And we know that he lived outside of Jerusalem, Bethlehem area, out there in the hill country. Can you imagine for nine months he spoke to Elizabeth in signs or wrote it down? And they had ample time to talk about the child's name. So the Bible says when his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant for five months, remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Now, that faithlessness, he had nine months. God gave Zechariah nine months. As godly and as obedient as he had been up to that point, God gave him nine months to think about his lack of faith. That one moment where he disbelieved the Word of God. So, through all this period of nine months, there he was, secluded, basically, with Elizabeth, and not uttering a single word, but trying to sign with his hands or writing it down. His name's going to be John. You know he's repeating this. We don't have anybody in the family named John. His name's John. His name is John. Now fast forward to verse 57 and following. When she gave birth to her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. Up to that point, they were whispering behind her back. God does not show favor on her. Now she's pregnant, and her, she has a, a child born. He's healthy, and now they share her joy. On the eighth day, according to Jewish law, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. Now, you think he wasn't excited then. No. I've enjoyed not speaking as long as I can stand it. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he's to be called John. They said to her, There's no one among your relatives who has that name. In Jewish custom, the child, especially the firstborn, the children were named either after their father or after somebody that was well-respected in the family. Nobody in their family was named John, much less Zechariah. So they were questioning, What are you thinking? Zechariah said, I'm thinking I want to talk. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He was asking for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. At that point, immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak, praising God. The neighbors were all filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, 
people were talking about all of these things. Everyone who heard wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. And then Zechariah opens up in that phenomenal praise to God. God hears our prayers. This faithlessness turns into faithfulness because we recognize the fact God hears our prayers. And as God hears our prayers, He answers them. Not in our time frame, not in our, a way that we might like it, but He's God and He answers our prayers. God hears our prayers. He never forsakes us. He never forsakes us in death. He doesn't forsake us in divorce, in sin, in any other situation or circumstance in which you might find yourself. God never forsakes us. I will never leave you nor forsake you, Jesus said to His followers. And then His response, as you see in these verses uh, 68 and following, His responses result in joy and gladness. I bring you joy, Gabriel said in verse 14. Gladness. I have good news for you, Zach. This is what's going to happen. Regardless of your age, regardless of, of your thinking of inability of childbearing, I've got great news for you. And this kid will be the forerunner of the Messiah. Salvation, verses 68 through 71. Salvation, where, where God comes in as Redeemer to call us out of the world of sin in which we find ourselves. Salvation, not only from our sins, but from the penalty of sin. Salvation for all eternity. Salvation in this life and in the life yet to come. Mercy, in verse 78, he says, this is going to be God's mercy toward us. Mercy, giving us what we don't deserve. We don't deserve Jesus Christ. We don't deserve His salvation. We don't deserve abundant or eternal life. We don't deserve joy and gladness and happiness and fulfillment and all those wonderful things that He does for us. We don't deserve His presence 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and yet He gives it because He's a merciful God. Hope. Verse 79 talks about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. The hope that is ours in Him. And then ultimately, the peace that passes all understanding. That guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Wow. John. His name will be John. What does that mean in the Hebrew? Jehovah's gift. Or God is gracious. John. Don't call him Zach. Don't call him anything. Call him John. Call him John. Maybe you've had a period of time where you were either sign-seeking or you were in that part where you were frustrated or maybe your frustration led to your fear of God's expectation. Maybe that fear led to your faithlessness, but I just pray today that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it will result in faithfulness in Christ Jesus. Do you know Him as your personal Lord and Savior? He's here. He's waiting to come into your life. But it's by invitation only. He's not going to force His way into your life. He's going to come in by invitation only. Today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. Open it to Him. Maybe you've never followed Him in public profession of faith or baptism by immersion. Or maybe you're looking for a church home. I don't know of any place I'd rather serve the Lord than right here. This is the place where God has called this is where you need to be. And then for all of us, this is a time for us to not only reevaluate, but reconnect, recommit.
our lives to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our most gracious Father, we come before you today thanking you for who you are, for what you're accomplishing here. Be with us now. May we honor you with our decisions, Lord God. May we trust you in your word. May we be obedient to what you've called us to do. May we always be found faithful. Thank you, Lord. We praise you for what you're accomplishing. Of course, in Jesus' precious name we pray these things. Amen.